Hey everybody, welcome to Flightcast. I'm Jason Rosewell, and to those of you who are uninitiated, this podcast was started as a way to talk about the mobile flight simulator, Infinite Flight. Since then, we've graduated into the wide world of aviation, but we do still love Infinite Flight. Check it out on your phone or tablet. It's a good train. You should get on it. With me today and every day on Flightcast is my co-host, Skyhawk Heavy, Mr. Mark Denton. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we have a lot to talk about and uh, so and an interview to roll. So let's yep. get right to it. We were seeing each other in person a week ago, and it was our annual, second annual, um, Infinite Flight Mod Moderator convention or if mod con 17 17, yeah yeah uh and uh look there are there are going to be people listening who uh maybe discovered us on youtube or by searching the web or on itunes that don't know what infinite flight is we already said in our intro what it is but but there is a group of moderators for the online flying community because you can fly in a group with other people Mm -hmm. uh and now we're going to talk about this in a minute but you can fly globally and uh and there's Which also exactly how we all got it is and and there's also uh, an online uh atc group for infinite flight and uh, of, uh on which mark and i are moderators mark is actually now on staff with the infinite flight crew and um we're just we're just Best in there in there like swimwear so mm-hmm. uh check out infinite flight if you haven't already but um as a group, we decided to actually meet each other last year in person, and uh, this year it was bigger and better, and we met at uh, in Atlanta, Georgia for Warbird Weekend, fourth annual Warbird Weekend, and this year they were uh, honoring the Tuskegee Airmen. And if you don't know about those guys, uh, they're the legendary World War II uh, aviators and the first black aviators to graduate from the Air Force Academy and be able to serve in active duty. Correct? Well, the Tuskegee uh, University is where it was located. They weren't at the Air Force Academy. Um, It was actually because of segregation at the time. Right. That's where it was deemed uh, for their training to take place was Uh, at Tuskegee University in Alabama. Got it. So, you know, even though they were coming in to – Basically, you know, to to become pilots for, you know, the military because of the stupidity of this country and segregation, they still were, you know, they they were in a segregated uh, university at the time. Okay. And and that's where they did their training at. So Okay. Thanks for the clarification. And and actually uh what struck me, Mark, and I know this was special for you and and we got to interview some of the surviving Tuskegee Airmen. Which was um, awesome. It was awesome and, and a huge, huge honor, uh, e- even from, you know, obviously I, I'm not from the United States, but a uh, huge honor for obviously. both of us. <laughs> and uh, But what, what I think struck me, and when you were thanking them for their service, I know that that was, um, e- even for you, Mark, was a little emotional, and, and which is rare. It and, really was. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. what, what struck me the most was, we know there was segregation. We know how mm-hmm. ridiculous that is. And mm-hmm. and still continues to be in some cases uh, with with racism and things like that. But when they talked about actual scenarios in their own lives, and they said, you know, uh, I, it was it was Brian Captain Brian Settles who said, uh, I applied for a job in in aviation after the war, but my skin I had the wrong paint job. And that uh, was that him or, or uh, Wilk. No, I think that was actually Captain been, Settles. What? Yeah. Wilk had said the same. Well, he had said something similar. Something similar. But they all had that yeah. in their story. And it, and when you hear yeah. them say it out of their mouth, it's hard to know what to say. You just have to yeah, keep listening. you don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and you feel, you feel so bad. But, I mean, of course, they, as, as they testified, I mean, they all overcame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... You know, and still and some funny stories, too. They're they all sharp and, and 
and uh, <coughs> just very entertaining. So if you want to listen to those and all of our interviews at uh, PDK in Atlanta, Georgia, at Warbird Weekend, we were in the hangar, and you can go to youtube.com slash flightcastaudio, and you can find th- that, those interviews as, lo- uh, as well as World War II glider expert Dana Blos, uh, Captain Brian Settles, who we've already mentioned, who's an author, F-4 Phantom pilot, and retired airline pilot, Uh, the CAF Dixie Wing T6 pilot Alan Armstrong, who is also an author and uh, aviation attorney. Uh, Mark, Mm -hmm. you you got his book, and he actually writes about a very interesting topic in his book about a lot of facts that aren't well known about Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they weren't in the know. Yes. Um, Yeah, um, it was, um, and the name of the book, uh, Preemptive Strike, I mean, it's, like I, you know, like I said uh, in Atlanta, Matthew was gonna be pissed because yeah. you know Matthew loves Pearl Harbor. He loves that story. He knows it inside and out. And um, <laughs> when he was watching the show live, he was just like, he said his jaw just dropped. Daddy, I can't believe that happened. How did I not know about that? Yeah. So he was he was stoked to get the book. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. You can also. Um, find uh, that book on Amazon and uh, mm-hmm. just search for preemptive strike uh, <clears throat> the secret plan that would have prevented the attack on Pearl Harbor so check that book out um, along Which with he'd love to make into a movie he only needs 60 million yeah so, only that old chestnut yeah, if, if any of our cafe subscribers wanted to chip in toward that 60 mil there you that go. would be great we also <laughs> got to chat and meet for the first time uh, with our friend and aviation photographer private pilot Angela Sells and uh, you yep. can go back into the Flightcast archives at Flightcast <laughs> Flightcast.audio Photo Yoda yeah that's right uh, and search for uh, Southern Fly Girl or Angela Sells and you'll find her interview she has just received her PPL and so that's very exciting yes. so we sat down and chatted with her we yeah, also she got told me she wasn't coming to Atlanta if she didn't have it <laughs> yeah we also got to chat with uh, Jay Bess who's uh, uh, commander of the CAF Dixie Wing, correct? Yep. Yeah, the director, commander director, of yep. the CAF Dixie Wing. Mm-hmm. And someone who was instrumental in Flightcast being at Warbird Weekend, um, along with Mo, was uh, Angela, Angela Decker. Decker. And uh, we sat down with them. Unfortunately, we had some major audio issues the first time, so uh, that interview probably won't uh, stay on our YouTube channel. It's not there, not there right now. Go back. But we'd like to have them back on, as Mark suggested earlier, and uh, have a chat with yeah, them again because yeah. and, and just to talk about basically to recap yeah the, good, it'll be a great uh, recap. The CAF weekend yeah. uh, and they uh, had some challenges this perfect. year with uh, weather and things like that they had to cancel Sunday which oh, threw everything into Sunday. chaos for schedules so with, um, yeah and even uh, that course threw things out of um, out of order for us with some of the interviews and stuff yeah. like that so yeah. um, but you just got to adapt and move on Anyway, we were both there taking pictures too, so check out our Instagram accounts uh, at Flightcast Audio and at Skyhawk Heavy, and you'll see some uh, great shots of the Corsair, uh, the P fifty one Mustang, and uh, lots of other ones. Uh, along P-17. with, uh, I'm I'm about to actually edit one of a great shot of uh, Alan Armstrong, who we interviewed um, in the cockpit. Uh, getting ready to taxi so there's there's a couple couple more coming up mark took roughly nine million photos uh at orbit weekend so <laughs> to the <laughs> point i had to go get some more uh i had to go get some more uh memory cards uh, That's because right, literally. i couldn't i kept running out of space yeah uh, we also had some Infinite Flight interviews since we had uh, Infinite Flight developers and owners Philippe Roland and Laura Laban, as well as a uh, brand new developer to the team, um, Cam Cameron. And also, uh, let me see if I can do the French version, Valentin Honneur, which is Val <laughs> to us. Or Valentine. Valentine. Um and and then a whole bunch of uh, we had a couple uh, other moderators. We had Stephen Wilson. We need to give a shout out for him. Um, Big shout out, Stephen Wilson. S- see, oh, listen, his his job interview, his job description included uh, helping me rent some gear for our live broadcast since I didn't have a U.S. driver's license. Um, he was a, a actually a financial backer for us being there. We stayed at his house. Literally in his house, Mark and I did, along with Cam and Misha Camp, who's an uh, Infinite Flight moderator. Um, Gamish. Gamish. We, he drove, uh, 
he I forgot some cables at his house, so once we got starting to set up on Friday at PDK, he drove back to his house through Atlanta traffic, grabbed those and came back. I mean, just no, a, he hauled a, ass. A, a, yeah, just an unending list of things that and he cooked us meals. I mean, wicked uh, meal on Friday night and then brunch on Sunday. So, Stephen, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's not uh, yeah. we we've outgrown his house. We'll probably do this somewhere else next year. Um, but anyway, thank we'll you to still Steven. be sleeping at his house though. That's right. Yeah. Unless we're not in Atlanta. Um, he, and then he texted me this morning, just a little while ago and said that, uh, Hey man, just want to let you know I'm passing through mobile today. Oh, awesome. So yeah, cool. they're heading Louisiana for a uh, conference over there, but he's not going to have time to stop on the way through today, but probably will on his way back. So perfect. All right. We'll say hi to him for us. Um, yeah. And then we had, uh, like we said, we had uh, some some moderators and just a couple of members from our uh, IFATC community. Yeah, had a few of the members that um, are from our uh, ATC team. We had Keist out here from uh, you're Australia. Video? Uh, there you go. Now you're back. Okay. Oh, that's going to happen. Uh, we had yeah. Keist out here from Australia. We had... Uh, we had Sam Keist. Yeah, good eye, mate. <laughs> good eye. <And>, um, <laughs> Uh, um, we had the, um, Chris Schaefer. Yep. Chris Schaefer was there. Uh, where did he come mm-hmm. in from? I can't remember. Uh, I think he lives in Texas, San Antonio, maybe Austin somewhere. Yeah. Ish. Near Austin. I think cause he was talking about the, the weather when they were having was the floods. It, he was either there, Massachusetts. I don't know where he came from. Yeah. We had Gary and Linda there. Um, Linda was a good oh, sport. Gary she just hung out with us all weekend. Uh, he, probably understanding was, very little of what was going on. Um, and just because of her patience and being able to endure the weekend, we need to go ahead and just make her an honorary moderator. Yep. Congrats to Linda and thank you. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Chris Levitt, who's a brand new um, Infinite Flight moderator uh, on the who's forum. <laughs> Never heard of him. He's, he's the dude that drove like 20 million hours to get to Warbird Weekend. Oh, my God, dude. He... <laughs> He calls me on his way down from uh, from Jersey where he lived, and we're so we're talking. So he was rushing to get to Atlanta. Then he's there, stays the night, gets up next morning, drives up to Nashville to a funeral. I mean, a wedding, same thing. <laughs> and then uh, leaves there, comes back to Atlanta uh, to be there for uh, Sunday when we did the live show. So uh, the podcast with everybody, crazy, just absolutely crazy. And then of course we had. Um, uh, Joshua Smiley, who was there. Joshua was there. Bless so, him. Yes, bless him. He. Uh, and you, you know, know, but the usual crew. Uh, you, me, Tyler. Um, Tyler Shelton. Tyler. <clears throat> yeah, yep. can't keep him away. Uh, so to anyone who we've forgotten, uh, sorry, but I think that's everybody. Um, and thank you for coming out. It was a blast. And maybe we'll, uh, for those listening, we can see you next year. Um, it was, a, it was an awesome, it weekend, was great. Man. And amid Exhausted. all of that, we did some, uh, interviews with infinite flight, uh, for the release of their global version. This is a revamp of the entire app. And now mm-hmm. instead of being, uh, relegated to regions, if you have a pro subscription, you can fly all around the globe. Um, it is amazing to see they've had at one point, I think, I don't know if they still do, but they've had like literally over 2,000 concurrent users flying the globe on mm-hmm. Infinite Flight. And um, it really is a, an amazing sight to see. And just to see I, to see the excitement and um, the amazingness of this app on a mobile device is, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. So uh, huge oh, yeah. congratulations to that crew. And... Uh, it, it it was definitely a game changer for sure. I mean, it, you know, and like we've all stated, it was a complete overhaul of the app of the flight sim itself. Yep. So, um, of course there's still a few issues that we're still, you know, working through and discovering with the plethora of devices that are being used. Yep. Um, so, but we're, we're getting things minimalized and, and starting, you know, less, uh, support tickets are coming in and more praises. So it, it's definitely been good. Awesome. And Mark, you're you're working on the support team along with Tyler uh, as part of yep. your job with him, uh, Flying Development Studio. So um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> nice to know that things are kind of becoming a little more manageable for you guys now. Oh, yeah. 
And, yeah, and a lot of that is just, uh, you know, it's a major overhaul of an app that people have been used to using a certain way. And uh, there were some new device requirements uh, with this big of an overhaul. Um, I think the probably the biggest complaint I've seen online is that people can't, uh, they can no longer fly without an internet connection. And the reason for that right. is explained many times, actually, by Philippe and Laura um, mm-hmm. in our interview with them, which you can find on YouTube. Uh, at youtube.com slash flightcast audio. Uh, and in the previous episode to this one, they talked about how yep. uh, the scenery needs to be rendered. It's too much to hold on your device. So they cache a lot of it, but it's uh, it just needs to, uh, uh, it needs to be streamed. Um, so that's the reason. And uh, there are some people that are not happy about that but uh and and we would like to go back i mean eventually we may you know this was just as a first version i mean this is the first version of this major overhaul and so we're always going to be working to optimize everything and and you know and and really honestly truly i mean there's wi-fi everywhere there's you know most people have data now you can always use a device as a hotspot. um but there are users who still you know don't always have a Wi-Fi signal, and we get that. Yep. But this was just a first version that we rolled out, and ultimately we would love for it to to be able to be on the go, yeah. if you will, to where you know you can enjoy the experience both on and offline. Yeah, so that's um, true. we'll we'll get there. It's just this was a first version. This isn't you know the finale, if you will. I mean, it's we're we're going to continue to update it and upgrade everything, and so. Yep. Just be patient and with If it. we could put a plea out to listeners uh, who love Infinite Flight, the, the the naysayers or the people that aren't happy with the app, they're the they're the noisiest ones. They want to hear have their voice heard. They're not just busy having yep. fun with the app. So they're they're really their go to a lot of the time is to go to support. And if that doesn't work because they just there's there's no solution for them, they have an old device or they don't have internet is they leave a, a crappy review on the app store. Um, yeah. and, and the same, it's the same with Flightcast. So if we could just give you, uh, a plea to head over to your respective app store and iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast app and give both infinite flight and Flightcast a, a five-star review, uh, a rating and a review, that would be really, really helpful. Um, it helps infinite flight to stay sort of at the top um, downloads are great and they, that's what the app store is, is gauging it on, but positive reviews are also part of that algorithm. So yep. please go over and at least give it a five-star rating. You don't have to review, but that, that's, uh, very, very helpful. And, uh, we would all appreciate that. So, and we, we see them all. We actually go through and look at all the reviews, both on iOS and Android. So for sure, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Lastly, I just want to say thanks to Flying Development Studio, Philippe and Laura, who uh, contributed as an official sponsor for Mark and I at uh, Warbird Weekend. It helped us with gear prep and travel and all kinds of things. So thank you so much for that to Laura and Philippe. And Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait to do it again next year. Absolutely, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And, you know, of course, there's always going to be challenges and uphill battles, but you know, it's all worth it in the end. So yeah, and and keep keep listening because there we uh, we may not just be in Atlanta this year. We might uh, Mark and I might be venturing out to some other locations uh, on behalf of Infinite Flight. And uh, you know, there's lots of aviation events, and uh, we would like to show up at some of those. So no no confirmed plans yet, but um, keep listening because as we go around the country, uh, specifically in the U.S. Um, We'd love to see you there if we're in your neck of the woods. So, yeah, uh, and even if we have to do things uh, individually, um, yeah, uh, you know, to where you go to the Canadian events, I'm you know doing more local events like uh, what is it, the uh, Blue Angels Homecoming Air Show coming up next definitely. month, yeah, um, in Pensacola. I'll be there. Awesome. Um, so we'll be doing some live broadcasts there for both my Skyhawk Heavy page as well as for Flightcast. So for sure, um, yeah. And you'll, you, you can't miss me. Just look. Yep. Just once you get on the ramp, you'll see me. <laughs> That's right. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? 
Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With the new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, you can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information such as weather, runway data, and charts. It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. Live Flight is now available in the App Store for iOS. And now back to the podcast. All right, man. Well, we actually, we had lots to talk about, but we do have an interview to uh, run today. So uh, why don't we bring Matt in here and get going with that? Yeah, let's do it. 22-year-old Matt Guthmiller set the Guinness World Record for the youngest person to fly around the world solo at just 19 years old. He also founded his first iPhone unlocking company at age 12 and is now a senior at MIT studying electrical engineering and computer science. Joining us today from Boston, Massachusetts is Matt Guthmiller. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Welcome to the show, Matt. First, uh, Matt, we always love to find out what got people into flying in the first place. So how far back does it go? Where did your love for aviation start? You know, to be honest, I couldn't even tell you. It's just one of those things where for as long as I can possibly remember, I've always loved airplanes, wanted to go out to the airport, watch planes take off and land, eat out at the airport cafe, things like that. Uh, Growing up, I always wanted to play flight simulator games, you know, spent a lot of time on uh, like Microsoft Flight Simulator. And, you know, it was just just one of these things that I'd always been interested in. And then about, I guess, six years ago over the summer, I kind of got bored one weekend and realized I could get my private in a few months when I turned 17. And so I talked to my parents and letting me do a little kind of $20, 20 minute intro flight and, you know, I think at the time they thought I was just going to do that, kind of get it out of my system, finally be done with this whole flying thing. And uh, obviously that didn't really happen, <laughs> but uh, I've just been flying ever since. Okay. And and uh, do, does anyone in your family fly? Uh, not really. I've got an uncle that used to fly, a cousin that sort of started flying probably about the same time as I did, uh, stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just me. Okay. So, of course, we have to next ask you about your world record. Um there's lots of info out there on the web people can can look up but i'd love to hear your version of it what uh what prompted you to solo around the globe well uh basically i'd been flying for a couple years and i was 18 i was just about to graduate from high school and i read this article in a newsletter from aopa about a guy from california who was 20 who was about to go set this record as the youngest person to fly solo around the world and i just kind of thought well gee if he could do it I could do it. You know, it doesn't seem that hard. It's, you know, just, just go fly around the world. And that's really how it all started. You know, I just decided kind of right then and doesn't there to seem that hard. somehow figure out how to go fly around the world. <laughs> so, so what were your first steps? How did, how did that happen? Uh, well, the biggest problem I had initially uh, was to find a plane to use. You know, I didn't have a plane. I couldn't just go to, you know, local flight school and be like, hey, you know, I'm going to borrow the 172 for a couple months. Right. So I'll, you know, I'll see you later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a car. Uh, you know, my, my parents weren't going to go buy me a plane because I, I didn't even have a car at the time. Things like that. So I, I had to find somebody who was crazy enough to lease an 18 or 19 year old with like 500 flight hours a plane to go fly solo around the world in. And that was kind of a tough sell. Uh, you know, so it took probably about nine months to actually find somebody who was you know, willing to lease me a plane. And, you know, finally found a guy out in San Diego who had a couple planes he was willing to lease me. You know, I had to go fly with him first and things like that. But uh, ultimately, that's how I found a plane. Uh, of course, meanwhile, you know, I had to figure out how to raise money, sort of figure out all the logistics that actually go into flying. You know, how do you actually go fly around the world? Uh, things like, you know, overflight and landing permits. What's it like flying over the ocean? Uh, how do you 
extend the range of the plane to do these, some of these really long legs, what all goes into that, how do you get weather information, flight plans, and so on and so on and so on. And so did that that end, that end up being more of a chore than you thought initially? Um, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, initially I knew it was, there was going to be a lot of work involved. It just didn't, it felt like the kind of thing where it was just, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. And so it's really just a matter of kind of working through all of these different issues and, and figuring out how to actually do it. And so that that's really what it was. You know, I spent about a year just kind of breaking it down into these little pieces. You know, where do I find a plane? How do I raise money? How do I, uh, you know, figure out how to fly across the ocean? How do I figure out, you know, how to get a permit to fly over Egypt or something? It was just all these little things and just kind of took it one step at a time. And, you know, finally a year later, had it all put together and went and did it. And you did it before this other guy, I take it? Well, so he, he completed his trip, um, and he had the record. And then actually, uh, I think the day after he uh, set the record, a kid from Australia who was 19 went and beat his record. And then uh, I, you know, the year later, uh, beat that guy's record. Awesome. Um, now, <laughs> you're still flying in that same Bonanza, are you not? Right, I am. Uh, it's, it sort of worked out well afterwards. Um, I've, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements. So I go around to different businesses and organizations and you know, kind of talk about, you know, all these challenges and, you know, personal and business challenges that go into flying around the world. And that's kind of covered enough of the cost of having a plane, uh, that the rest of the time it, you know, just, you know, I end up with a plane to fly and then a lot cheaper for other flights than to, you know, rent a plane or something like that. Um, that's a, sort of like a real world version. Uh, the one I had in my head was you got back and they just said, you know what, just keep it. You should just keep it. <laughs> that was a little, little yeah, more, wish. a little more to it than that. Yeah, it's it's really just turned into a, you know any any sort of you know business aviation use case. Uh, you know where I just it bring you know having a plane brings in enough extra revenue. Uh, you know with, with school and everything, you know it'd be hard to get to a lot of these speaking engagements. that might be in the middle of the week. You know with an airline flight, it'd be like a three day trip or something. And in the Bonanza, it's a one day trip, so I can do a lot more of them. And, Right. Yeah, to the yeah. extent that it, it covers just a, a lot of those fixed costs. I didn't plan on asking this one, Matt, but do, now that we're asking you these questions, and you're saying you're going to speaking engagements and so on. Does it get, do you, do you get tired of talking about your flight around the world? Uh, you know, it's an interesting question. I, I guess in general, no, because it, it's just something that for me, you know, is so much fun to, to share and you know, just sort of explain to people that you can go and take some sort of crazy sounding idea like, I'm going to go fly around the world. I have no idea how to do that or a plane, but I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And then actually just, you know, break down all these little problems and work through it and, and make it happen and actually go and do it. And so that's just like a, you know, a very, you know, fun aspect and, and just all around, you know, it's a, a very, you know, fun story for me to, to get to share with people. So I, I very much enjoy it in that regard. Um, you know, I guess sometimes, you know, meeting people in person or something, you know, I, you know, I end up with a situation where 10 people all ask the same question, but at different times you end up, you know, just saying the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, outside of a case like that, you know, I, I love sharing it. Okay. That, that's when you just type a blog about it and then just say, here's the link. <laughs> yeah. You should right. just carry a QR code around. Well, then you have people <laughs> like us that are asking you to, uh, hounding you to come and talk to us for free. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, like I I'm said, a world it's, it's record to holder too. Oh, how, how, Mark? Jason, you didn't know this? <laughs> no. Uh, the uh, I've flown the heaviest Skyhawk uh, around my bill. You're not being serious. <laughs> no, I'm not being serious. Oh. No. <laughs> uh, that would have been great, though, if you had a fact like that that I didn't know about. Uh, oh, I know. So Matt, how does how has this trip around the world helped you as a pilot? Would you say? I mean, there's got to be so many benefits, but what are what are a couple? Right, you know, it's definitely one of those things where you've kind of got to know what you're doing going in, but then you also have to be ready to learn really quickly because uh, there's just just so many things where it's so different from you know just your average trip flying around the U.S. Um, for instance, you know, in a lot of these legs, I was out of the ocean flying for 10, 12, 16 hours at a time. And so there were a couple you know, kind of key challenges that come with that. One is weather. Uh, you know, in most of the rest of the world, you know, there's no weather radar, especially out over the ocean. You know, airliners, of course, have weather radar. They can see where the weather's at. But I was just out there, you know, trying to stay out of these clouds, trying to, you know, find some way around all these you know, massive storms that are popping up, you know, with no real forecast to predict them and trying to, you know, somehow figure out a way around all these storms and still get to where I'm going. And so I guess... You know, probably the biggest thing that I learned is 
you know, there's a lot to be said about planning a flight and flying the plan, but you also just have to be ready to totally throw the plan out the window and come up with something new. Right. So there would be times, you know, where I'd have a, a 10 hour flight and I'd be flying along and I had to spend two or three hours just going completely out of the way to get around some thunderstorms. And then you've got all these problems like, uh, you know, will I still have enough fuel to get to my destination? Or if I don't, you know, where can I stop that actually has avgas available? Cause that's, that's one of the challenges in flying around the world is, you know, most of the world doesn't have GA. It's all just, you know, business aviation and, and business jets. So everybody has jet fuel, but most places don't actually have avgas. Uh, so it's, you know, where can I find that? You know, where, you know, cause otherwise if you land at, you know, someplace that doesn't have avgas, you might be stuck there for a few weeks. So there's kind of all, all these little things where you're, you're just constantly uh, replanning a flight, uh, you know, on the fly, uh, no pun intended, but right. you know, you, you just you're out there, uh, trying to take as much information as you can possibly get and come up with some idea of what's going on and, and some way to actually deal with the situation and get as close to where you're going as you can. Okay. And, and was fatigue an issue on these long legs? Uh, it definitely was. It's probably something that I, I didn't handle as, as well as I could have, you know, I think, uh, being 19 years old and, you know, having just finished my first year at MIT where you know, there's a lot of long nights, a lot of caffeine, things like that, you know, didn't phase me getting four hours of sleep and then flying for 15 or 16 hours or something. But uh, I, I don't think I could do that again today, really. Even just these, you know, few years later, I, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Um, so fatigue is, is definitely a big part of it, you know, and, and you gotta be careful because there's also just a lot of pressure to get somewhere at a certain time. Uh, you know, in a lot of these places, again, most of the traffic is business aviation where there's a lot of set schedules, things like that. So you might have, uh, you know, a permit that's only valid for today. So if you delayed until tomorrow because you couldn't get enough sleep today with, you know, after some delayed flight and a bunch of paperwork and things like that, uh, now you've either got to get there today or it's going to be, you know, another couple hundred dollars to get a permit for the next day. And that's the whole process and things like that. So it's just, there's always a lot of pressure to kind of be places at a certain time. And uh, it's really hard sometimes to kind of, you know, push that aside and just say, I, I need more sleep. Well, and, and then uh, you're it's like, dealing with multiple currencies as well, right? So a couple hundred dollars might seem easy at the time, but then if you're in a country that's, uh, you can't just slap $200 us down on the table um, um well I, I actually most places uh would only take us dollars and, and only like us dollars cash oh, so okay. uh, you know it's kind of funny like you get to egypt and you know you've got the egyptian pound but you land and, and try to get a visa and their visa application process is you pay like 20 dollars us uh cash and you know they don't take egyptian money even it's just oh, 20 wow. us dollars and, and then you get a visa <laughs> so uh, and you know the other side of things is that paying for fuel is is typically at least for have gas is done in us dollars cash so uh you know there'd be times where i was you know wandering around these countries in the middle east with like five or ten thousand dollars on me because uh, i needed it to pay for fuel you know at that stop and the next couple stops and i figured that nobody was going to suspect the kid you know walking around in gym shorts and t-shirt was carrying five or ten thousand dollars so i didn't have to worry about it too much but uh that was definitely one of the other logistical challenges is just, you know, figuring out how to have that much cash in all these different countries. And really, you know, one of the other things was uh, to have all this fuel for these long flights. I had to take all the interior in the back out and add these couple of hundred and five gallon ferry tanks. So there was really only room for you know, two seats up front. And even at that, you know, there was me and then, you know, a bunch of survival gear and some snacks and things like that in the other seats. So there was there would have been barely enough room to have uh, one more person if I'd have wanted to. And how long were you gone? Uh, altogether, it was 44 and a half days. Okay. So uh, you must have had some... Uh, are you good at entertaining yourself? <laughs> Just I am. in your you brain? Know, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm an only child, so I'm, I'm kind of used to it, I guess, in that regard. But uh, you know, there's always enough little things to worry about, enough things going on that it never really gets too boring. You know, you're always having to worry about fuel uh, kind of because of the way that like ferry tanks are typically plumbed. You know, I'd have to run on like the main tank to burn some fuel out of that tank and then run on the ferry tank. And then that would end up filling up the main tank a little bit more. And so I'd have to switch back and forth and try to keep track of how much fuel I was actually using and, and things like that. So there's always just enough little things. And then, of course, you know, weather, you know, paying attention, making sure that 
uh, you know, you're paying attention to what you know might be an hour ahead and could kill you or something. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that so little there's, thing there's always... that you have to worry about called not dying. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that preoccupy, you know, that that takes up a lot of time. But uh, then besides that, you know, I listened to music. I had a sat phone, so I could call people. I could text people. I I got caught up in Game of Thrones, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> no kidding, really. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's all right. Caught uh, up on Game of Thrones, cool. well, and they're flying around the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats, man. That's awesome. Uh, huge accomplishment for somebody at your age. So uh, well done. Um, well, that's a huge accomplishment for anybody, for anybody but yeah, yeah, especially at yeah. his age, man. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. Very cool. So, uh, something I want to make sure that we mention is Angel Flights. Um, tell us first of all what that is and how you got involved. Sure. Yeah, well, Angel Flight and actually another organization as well called PALS, Patient Airlift Services, I kind of jump between the two and you know, just end up doing whichever one kind of works in my schedule. But uh, basically, they're, they're both organizations that pair pilots with um, patients who need to travel for medical treatment that they can't get uh, where they're at. And so I've you know, done a number of flights with both of them, uh, you know, just flying people to and, and from their medical treatments. And so it's, it's kind of a really cool way to get to use GA to give back a little bit. And, um, you know, a lot of times I can, I'm able to kind of integrate it with trips that I'm already doing. And so you know, it just makes a, a whole lot of sense to do it that way. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, I was going to talk about uh, the Bonanza, 7 Hotel Papa. Um uh, and and ask you whose airplane it was, but uh, it is yours, correct? Well, actually, I'm still leasing it. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm thinking about buying it, but uh, so far it's just kind of made sense to keep leasing it, you know, a little less capital investment up front, things like that. But, um, yes, yeah, so I'm still leasing it from the same company out in San Diego, but I might end up buying it. We'll see what happens. Okay. It's a sweet ride, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Damn near all yeah, glass yeah. cockpit. It's It's sweet. Um, I, I think it's kind of the perfect airplane, and, and the Bonanza is kind of the, the perfect airplane for something like this, and and also just in general. You know, it's, I think it's it's just crazy how you can do so much with one airplane. You can fill it up with five or six people in bags, and you know, go bounce around the Caribbean, or you can take off and land in a thousand feet on grass, or you take the seats out, add fuel tanks, and go twenty five hundred miles across the ocean. Yeah, it's it's an amazing plane. I mean, I've got some time in a Bonanza. A uh, buddy of mine that used to live in Mobile owns one, and um, and he'd let me take his up. And it's it's so it's just so much fun to fly. So I mean, well, when you go from a one seventy two to a Bonanza, you know, it's like going from a Buick to a Porsche. Um, <laughs> you know, then you get to bring the feet up, and it's it's just fast. And I don't know if yours does. His had air conditioning. That made it nice. Um, mine doesn't have air conditioning yeah his had it that made it really nice and of course he wouldn't let me wear my david clark's in there i had to wear his bows the only way i could fly his plane (laughs) is if i wore his bows he would not allow a david clark and i'm like why i mean that's you know that's what i've always had that's what i've always known but whatever if i got to fly the plane all i do is put gas in it but did you um did you have yours um retrofitted with the uh, tip tanks or was it already with tip tanks um, mine already had tip tanks. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, I already had some pretty nice range. And then, of course, adding the extra ferry tanks. So, you know, I could go about probably 3,000 miles at a time. Wow. Have you used those ferry tanks since then? No, I, I took those out you know, as soon as I got back. Um, you know, to, to use those, you have to be on the, like a special flight permit. And so there's a lot of restrictions that go with that. And, you know, of course, okay. you can only have yeah. two, you know, one or two people in the plane. Oh, right, right. Hence fairy tanks, Jason. Hey, right. uh, by the way, Matt, Mark's the pilot. I'm not, if you can't tell. <laughs> I'm, just a, <laughs> I'm just a wannabe. Um, so, Matt, it seems like part of your mandate is to encourage the young generation to pursue their dreams in aviation. Uh, of course, you're a, a big advocate of uh, youth in uh, getting into information technology, things like that. Um, based on what you've learned over the years, what advice would you have for young aspiring pilots? Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I think the biggest piece of advice I could probably give them or, or anyone of any age is to sort of just not say no to an idea. Uh, you know, if you've got some cool idea, whether it's flying around the world or wanting to become a pilot or wanting to start a company or, or whatever, 
uh, you know, it's, you know, don't, don't let people tell you that it's too hard or don't think that it's too hard, you know, look into it and sort of, you know, break it down into these little pieces. And there's probably a good chance that you can figure out some way to actually make it happen. And I think that there's just so many times where people just think, oh, that's, that'd be really cool, but that's just too hard. I, I can't do that or I can't do it right now. Maybe I'll do it 20 years from now. I mean, I, I thought about uh, stuff like that even when, when I was you know, going to decide to go fly around the world. Actually, uh, a few months before, I wrote about this guy from California that kind of you know showed me that, hey, this is something you could actually go do. Um, I'd actually sort of looked into a little bit uh, the idea of maybe just flying sort of any plane uh, just across the Atlantic to go to Europe and just just kind of something that I was sort of interested in, wanted to see if people actually did it. You know, I found out that they did, but it was kind of expensive. You know, I probably wasn't going to be able to go just rent a plane and, and go fly to Europe for the weekend or something. Uh, but, you know, it was this thing where I was like, oh, this is cool, but I'll do it you know, 20 or 30 years from now whenever I retire from whatever it is I end up doing. And then a couple months later, I read about this guy from California who was going to go fly around the entire world. And it was just like, wow, this actually isn't too hard. This is something I could do right now. And so I, I think that's really the, the key realization is that, you know, there's so many things that, that seem really cool, but just, you know, like they must be out of reach or they, they must be too hard. And I think most of the time they aren't. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of working through it and figuring out how to actually do it. And, and typically, you know, in my experience, there's a way to make it happen. And so I, I think, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone is no matter what your dream is, whatever the goal is, just go for it. Yeah, I mean, where, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, I get messages all the time, either on Instagram or uh, through Infinite Flight or whatever, um, about kids who are talking about, oh, uh, they just went flying, they just did this, they just did that, you know, they're going to take their first discovery flight. Um, or when they, uh, the ones that I really like are the ones that, uh, that messaged me and said, hey, I just soloed. And they're kind of acting like it's really not that big of a deal. But I'm like, dude, do you understand? You solo, Jason, that means that you're flying alone. There's nobody else in the plane. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> but when you solo, you have then entered uh, a fraternity, sorority, whatever you wanted to call it, um, a family of, of, you know, very few people who have actually achieved even to be able to solo, to be able to fly an aircraft by yourself. And, you know, a, a lot of the people that I talk to actually have taken it lightly, uh, lightly. And then I'm just like, no, you need to you need to understand what just happened. You know, you, you right. need to be more excited about that, uh, because there are a lot of people I know that have started flight training and have never even gotten to the solo. So and, you know, and, and one thing and Matt, you've you've probably seen it uh, time and time again, how people will get frustrated because it may take them a little bit longer where I think right now the industry average is like 70 to 80 hours for somebody to get their PPL, um, where, you know, they're not able to go out and fly three, four five days a week. Um, you know, they're having to spread it out over pay periods or what have you. But, you know, I would have to echo what Matt's saying is, you know, don't ever give up, you know, and, uh, don't think it's too difficult just because it might take you a little bit longer. doesn't mean that you're not going to obtain it. You just got to stick with it uh, and set your mind to it. Right, absolutely. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about your crew that you're usually gallivanting around with and, as you said, uh, bouncing around the Caribbean. <laughs> well, uh, Want to give I any mean, shout-outs? Uh, what's that? You want to give any shout-outs while you got the mic? Well, I, I mean, uh, you know, something that I'm kind of very fortunate to be able to do now, like I said, is you know, combine a lot of different business opportunities with flying and you know, of course, the other advantage to doing that you know, in your own plane, uh, beyond just you know, not being constrained to an airline schedule or something, is that you can take along whoever you want. And so, you know, oftentimes I'll bring my girlfriend or you know, any number of other friends, and you know, maybe I have to fly down to Florida for the weekend to do some speaking engagement. And it, you know, it's, then at that point, it's only a couple hundred dollars extra to go fly around the Bahamas for a couple of days. So then you, know, you go do that. And, uh, you know, it's just a fantastic way to travel. You know, I think my favorite part actually, uh, about just, you know, in general flying somewhere in your own plane is that you can stop anywhere. You know, it's, it's suddenly like, you know, any possible place along the way is, you know, somewhere that it, it kind of makes sense to, to just drop into. Whereas, you know, if you're driving, you know, maybe going, if you're going the same distance driving, obviously it's going to be a really long drive. It doesn't make sense to, 
just stop somewhere for a few hours to kind of explore or, or grab lunch or something. But in a plane, you can because now that's just a couple extra hours on maybe like a five-hour trip or something. Right. And so, uh, you know, that that's just a really cool aspect of, of traveling in your own plane is you, know, you can go anywhere. And so uh, you know, I bring a, a few friends along, a, a friend of mine, Luke Jensen, he's another pilot here at MIT, a, a grad student, and kind of go to the camera. So he comes along a, a lot of times to help me uh, shoot YouTube stuff. Uh, my girlfriend also does and, and stuff like that, but it's it's just kind of whoever. Nice. And uh, it looks like you're using some uh, drone footage these days quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, drones are, are kind of really cool way to just get some shots that in the past would either require you know, a helicopter or pretty fancy camera equipment and jibs and things like that. And now you, know, you just throw up a little drone and you got the shot. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Have so, you tried to uh, do some air to air with the drone? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So, you know, so obviously it's pretty tricky figuring out how to safely fly a drone like, you know, near an airport or something like that. Uh, so, you know, typically it's you know me and you know, a couple friends who are also pilots who are also you know, all commercial fixed wing pilots, commercial drone pilots, and you know, kind of brief out this whole shoot, make sure there's nobody else around, talking on the radio. Uh, right. looking for traffic, things like that, and, and put together a cool little shoot, you know, getting some fun drone footage of, you know, taking off or landing or taxiing or whatever, and uh, really makes for some nice shots. Okay, so so that leads me perfectly to my next question, which is, Matt, you're one of these people who have accomplished more in your 22 years than Mark and I have combined in whatever number of years we've lived. <laughs> what, when you graduate from, oh, so first of all, uh, you know, how do you find time for studying, flying around the world, uh, hopping around the Caribbean, video editing? You do your uh, uh, some of your own video uh, video editing, I think. Uh, all of it. Okay, all of it. Uh, you know, getting your commercial drone license. I mean, where where does all the how? how? <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely a lot of work, but it's one of those things where you just have to love it. You know, um, if you enjoy doing it, you'll find time. And so, uh, to be perfectly honest, like the past few weeks, uh, since school started up again, I've been insanely busy, you know, just trying to get all of my school stuff done or you know, at least mostly, and then uh, have time to you know, work on some of these videos, go shoot some other ones, get some flying in. And so it's, it's definitely a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. You know, uh, I've been doing this YouTube series now for, uh, I guess, I think about eight months and it's, you know, something that I, I think people have found you know really interesting and, and useful and to me just getting to share sort of my view of general aviation and, and how much fun it can be to just get in a plane and go fly and all the things that you can do with it and and being able to share that with so many people uh is just you know, worth all of this effort and awesome. so uh you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you just have to find the time yeah you know uh, but, uh, someone recently told me uh just a business partner he he said uh you know, we've all got extra time. It just, it's just what you do with it. And it's like you said, if you're doing something you love, then it's not that hard. Um, right. Well, exactly. at 22 years old, you have more time in the day than somebody who's 44. <laughs> you know, true. at 22, yeah. you've got 25, 28 hours a day where I've got <laughs> 18. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you graduate from MIT, what's next? What's the plan? Uh, one thing I'd, I'd really like to do is be able to pursue this YouTube stuff full time. Uh, you know, it looks like that's something that'll probably be possible, and and so hopefully that continues. That you know, it'd be just great to be able to continue to do that and, and share all these stories with people. Uh, it's also something that I've just for a long time I, I was sort of interested in filmmaking, and it was like another one of these things that felt out of reach. Like you know, I'm not going to go make some feature film or something. So I just kind of you know wrote it off as something that that didn't really matter. I didn't have time for or whatever. Um, and then I, I realized that you know I could make these sort of short films on YouTube about flying and you know, kind of just combine these two things that I, I really enjoy. And, and so that's been a lot of fun for me. So uh, I'd like to do that full time. And then I've kind of got a couple ideas for uh, little startup companies that I've been working on. I've been working on this um, sort of algorithmic stock trading iPhone app. So I guess right now my plan is to keep doing the YouTube stuff, work on this iPhone app and you know, see where that goes. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll get a real job. <laughs> Living the dream, man. Don't don't get a real job. Don't get a real job. I I, I never I got a real job, and it's you you don't you don't need one. Uh, and if you ever have a need for a couple of um, smartass 
podcast hosts uh, in one of your projects. Just uh, you know how to get a hold of us. Hell <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's ask a few uh, community f- forum questions. Uh, Matt, we have our uh, Infinite Flight community is uh, in the tens of thousands of people that um, many of them listen to this podcast and uh, we reach out to them for questions sometimes. Uh, lots of interest in your episodes. So we're just going to ask a few here. Um, and most of them, uh, unfortunately, were about the trip around the world. So we're going to go back to that. That's fine. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce some of these words uh, when they name themselves on the forum. Uh, They're asking, how many hours had you logged before your flight around the world? And I think you mentioned something like 500, but maybe we can answer that. Yeah, it's about 500 hours that I had before I flew around the world. Okay. And do you feel like that was a good number of hours before flying around the world? Um, You know, I I think it's, it's less about the number of hours and more probably about sort of how you get the hours, you know, the, the quality of the hours. And so it's, uh, first of all, you know, it's things like, you know, what period of time do you build up 500 hours? And I think actually, to a large extent, the less, you know, the, the faster that you do that, you know, the more frequently that you're flying, uh, you know, just kind of the, the faster that you learn things and, and improve and, and stuff like that. And I was also really lucky because uh, a lot of the flight instructors that I flew with, really all of the flight instructors that I, I flew with, uh, sort of early on in probably, you know, the first 400 of those 500 hours uh, were guys that were doing, you know, like part 135 charter operations in like small piston planes flying, you know, in South Dakota in all kinds of crazy weather and things like that. And so they were always willing to, to take me out and, and, you know, help me sort of push boundaries and, and you know, find out what I was comfortable with and, and get comfortable in, in more and more diverse situations. And so I, I think that stuff like that helped a lot. You know, I was kind of in a a unique position in, in that regard where I just had people around me who could kind of help me get to a point where I was comfortable doing something like flying around the world and, you know, did it frequently enough that it, it was something that I, you know, where I was able to learn uh, faster than if I had maybe spread it out over a longer period of time. So right. I think it worked out well. I think there was definitely a lot of stuff, uh, you know, I could have known that I didn't uh, when I flew around the world, you know, it would have been helpful to know beforehand and, and you know, said and to learn it uh, while I was going. But uh, you know, I think that there's always something like that. It's it's sort of the kind of thing where it's really hard to, you know, be prepared for it or know if you're prepared for it or something like that because there's just so much about it that's you know, hard to predict and, and so so different from everything you've done before uh, that it it's just bit, pr- practically impossible to tell um, how prepared you are for something like that. Yeah. Uh, Adrian asked a question and I'm just going to give him a shout out because we've already answered it. He asked, how did you occupy your time flying? So, uh, you've given us a good answer for that. Uh, the notorious Max Mustang from our forum. Uh, now Mark, Max is retired, uh, Marines, I Marines. I don't want to get it wrong because he gets angry. Uh, and, and, and haunts our community forum. Um, so part of the time I don't understand his lingo. Uh, or what he's trying to say, but he's asking who helped uh, you with or recommended the routing was one of his questions. Uh, so the routing was a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, it was you know, talking to a lot of different ferry pilots, talking to companies that sort of regularly support flights like this, arranging permits and handling and, and things like that, and really just you know, talking to all these people to find out where at gas was available that was the biggest thing that sort of dictated the route or at least where it was uh regularly available and so that was the biggest thing that went into this but it was really just a collection of talking to all sorts of different people to get a feel for uh what airports kind of reliably had fuel and then just you know from there figuring out how far i could go at a time in the bonanza and and plotting a route right uh, he was also asking, uh, what upgrades did you slap on the Bonanza? Um, now, we talked about the fuel tanks, but uh, he was asking, uh, did you have a new or rebuilt power plant ahead of the trip? Uh, any upgrades to avionics? Uh, things like that. Right. So before I did the trip, the owner uh, put in a brand new engine and all new avionics. So actually, when I was first preparing to do the trip, uh, you know, it was going to be with you know, kind of a six-pack, steam gauges, uh, you know, like Garmin 530, and, and that was about it. And then uh, he decided to put in kind of this all-new panel, so I ended up with this great uh, glass cockpit and uh, brand-new engine and, and that kind of thing. Wow, well, that's all right. 
and then I guess the other thing in addition to the fair to the ferry tanks um, was I had a little uh, oil pump in the ca- in the cabin so that I could add uh, oil if I needed to you know if there's some kind of problem to you know, at least get a little further you know if you're out of the ocean or something and then uh, also I had a HF radio so you can communicate over you know, really long distances out of the ocean. Turns out it, it practically never works down low, but you have to have it. So I had it. Well, there's a question. You say down low. Um, I, I just uh, interviewed a guy named uh, Seeger Henrik, Sigurd Henriksen, who ferried an airplane from here in Ontario over to Norway. That was uh, a T. Help me, Mark. T twenty eight. T twenty eight Trojan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he had to stay below what sixty five hundred. Uh yeah. Uh, I think- I think it was no, it was. Uh, well, he was. Yeah, it was uh, six thousand. It was sixty-five. Yeah, because he was VFR. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fifty-five so, or sixty-five hundred or something yeah, like that. Yeah, fifty-five hundred. Okay. Yeah. So what was it for you? Uh, well, so I was IFR. Um, so I was typically, you know, well, I guess most of the time I would take off, climb up to about seven thousand feet, burn off some fuel, climb up to nine, maybe burn off some more, and climb up to eleven. Uh, but I, I was really pretty constrained with the weight because, you know, on these uh, longer flights, to be able to do that, you, know, you have to have so much fuel uh, that, like, on the longest couple of legs, I was 25% over gross. So I was, you know, normally, you know, the plane is designed to fly at 3,600 pounds, and I was flying at 4,600 pounds. So you don't have a lot of uh, extra performance to climb higher. Oh, I see. Uh, you, know, you get the, the best range at kind of about, about those altitudes at those weights. Okay. Um, I'm just kind of scanning our forum here. Uh, I'm going to pick a couple. Um, let's see. Uh, Maxim Ferguson says, uh, what's the nicest aircraft you've ever flown? Um, oh, gosh, that's a tough one. It, I mean, I haven't flown that many Bonanza, crazy airplanes obviously. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bonanza. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, right, right now, I mean, I think, like, value for your for your dollar Probably the Bonanza is like the best bet that I've I've flown, but uh, I've flown a, a PC twelve. That's a pretty nice airplane. Uh, I've flown an Eclipse jet. That's another fun airplane. But both of those have you know a lot of things uh, that are just less desirable than a Bonanza. You know, I, I think a Bonanza probably carries more maybe than the Eclipse, or at least it's close. You know, maybe with you know for the same range or something. Uh, so there's you know there's trade offs like that. You know, it's a little tight in there. Uh, PC twelve. You go a little faster, carry more, but you, you know, it costs so much more money than expensive. a Bonanza. Yeah. Um, but, you know, PC-12 and Eclipse 500 are probably the uh, two sort of nicest planes I've flown. I've got a little bit of time in, like, a, a T-6 Texan. That's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, probably as far as nice goes, I think the PC-12 and the Eclipse 500. Yeah, okay. Uh, we have to wrap it up, Matt, but before we go, is there anything you want to promote, make our listeners aware of? Uh, what, what, Where do you want to send people? Uh, well, I mean, I guess the biggest thing right now is my YouTube series. It's youtube.com slash Matt Guthmiller. And that's, you know, where I'm posting all these videos of kind of all the fun flying that I do, trying to show people you know, just how fun and useful general aviation is and, and get more people interested in it, get people who are already pilots flying more and, and stuff like that so just trying to share some fun adventures uh i just got back from flying a 210 uh over to europe with a couple other youtubers so those, yeah. those videos will be coming soon here it's uh, so funny to see uh a cessna like that with the gear up <laughs> it just it just looks funny when it's flying but uh yeah, <clears throat> yeah so why wow. a fun airplane. why the, the 210? 210 is an amazing airplane oh Sorry, Mark. I knew I would offend you with that one. Yeah, don't be talking about the high wing Cessnas, man. I, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know. I love the stiff leg, but you know, even a one seventy two RG, I've probably got probably got about ten hours in a in a one seventy two RG, and probably probably another ten fifteen hours in a two ten. I mean, that two ten is just wow. So why the two ten instead of the Bonanza? Um, well, so so these couple other YouTubers, Louis Cole and JP Schultz. Uh, uh, we're flying around the world, and, and so uh, it's, you know, it's their plane. That's sort of what they found, and you know, it's also a good plane for a trip like this. Lots of people have flown 210s around the world. Uh, personally, I prefer the Bonanza, but that's just me, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a nice airplane and, you know, great for a trip like that. Um, yeah, I guess actually, yeah, a lot of my early flying was in, like, 172 RGs, and I probably got about 100 hours in a 210, so it's a little familiar in that regard. Okay. So that was nice, but okay. yeah, it's, a, it's a fun airplane. 
sorry, I interrupted your your spiel on on uh, what you want to promote. Oh, well, I mean, I think I got through most of it, but okay. uh, you know, just that, that YouTube series and all these fun flying adventures. Awesome. And and Instagram too. You know, I guess uh, you know, posts a lot of fun photos there. And, and that's just uh, Matt Guthmiller on Instagram. Yep. Yep. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we really appreciate you being here. Thanks for uh, making some time for us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. That was aviator, YouTuber, and entrepreneur Matt Guthmiller, and you can find him and subscribe to his channel on YouTube at youtube.com slash Guthmiller, or find him on Instagram at mattguthmiller. As always, don't forget to check out Flightcast Cafe for bonus content from this and other episodes. Thanks for listening. For more of the podcast, visit flightcast.audio, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on social media at Flightcast Audio. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. I'm Jason Rosewell, hosting with me, as always, with Skyhawk Heavy. Thanks for listening, and happy landings.